Welcome to Trevecca Community Church's Sermon Podcast. We hope this resource draws you closer to God and helps you grow in your faith. This Sunday, Pastor Shauna started our new sermon series, God Talk at the Kitchen Table, with a message from Romans chapter 16. Hear the word of the Lord from our living room, Romans chapter 16. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church at Sincrea, so that you may welcome her in the Lord as is fitting for the saints, and help her in whatever she may require from you, for she has been a benefactor of many and of myself as well. Greet Prissa and Aquila, who work with me in Christ Jesus, and who risk their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Greet also the church in their house. Greet my beloved Apenetus, who is the first convert in Asia for Christ. Greet Mary, who has worked very hard among you. Greet Adronicus and Junia, my relatives who were in prison with me. They are prominent among the apostles, and they were in Christ before I was. Greet Ampietus, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our co-worker in Christ, and my beloved Stachys. Greet Apelles, who was approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the family of Aristopolis. Greet my relative Herodian. Greet those in the Lord who belong to the family of Narcissus. Greet those workers in the Lord, Tryphena and Tryphosa. Greet the beloved Persis, who has worked hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and greet his mother, a mother to me also. Greet Asyncritus. Phlegon, Hermas, Petrobus, Hermas, and the brothers and sisters who are with them. Greet Philogelus, Julia, Nereus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. I urge you, brothers and sisters, to keep an eye on those who cause dissensions and offenses. In opposition to the teaching that you have learned, avoid them, for such people do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own appetites, and by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the simple-minded. For while your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you, I want you to be wise in what is good and guileless and what is evil. The God of peace will shortly crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Now to God, who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the proclamation of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but is now disclosed and through the prophetic writings is made known to all the Gentiles, according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. Why on earth would we ask precious Melissa Guthrie to say all of those names? Am I right? 
but she just killed it. She did a great job. Why would we read all of those names today? Well, we'll get there in just a moment. But first, I want to tell you a little bit about being home this last week and getting to be back in my grandparents' house. See, in my grandparents' house, maybe the same was true in your grandparents' house, they had a dining room table and a kitchen table. Anybody know the difference between a dining room table and a kitchen table? There is a difference between these two tables, right? The dining room table was where we pretty much only ate on holidays and special occasions and maybe if some guest was there to visit, right? That's when we use the dining room table. And when we use the dining room table, we sat on upholstered chairs, right? The upholstered chairs that basically were upholstered to make sure that you were terrified of dripping cranberry sauce. And I was terrified of dripping cranberry sauce. So we sat on our upholstered chairs and we ate on plates that I was terrified to scratch and drank out of goblets that I was afraid I would break. And they always put out a little bowl of black olives. Anybody have the bowl of black olives at all your family gatherings? Miranda, you had that. A bowl of black olives, but it wasn't the kind of setting where you could just dive into that olive bowl and put those olives on your fingers and pretend to be the Wicked Witch of the West. AJ, I know you like to do that. Don't pretend. Right? It's, it, it wasn't that kind of place. Like It just wasn't that kind of informal set. You were at the dining room table. It was the kind of place where napkins were really fancy cloth napkins and conversation was polite and formal, where somebody probably prayed a very lovely prayer before the meal and where I could not wait to finish eating to get out of there. Right? As soon as the meal was done, I was in the kitchen trying to lick the cake batter bowl, right? I couldn't wait to get out of the dining room. Now, the kitchen table is a different story. The kitchen table is a place where you have to clean up all the bills that are scattered all over it before you put dinner down so that you don't, like, spill ketchup on the bills that you were just trying to figure out how you're going to pay in the first place. The kitchen table is the kind of place where you pass out tacos from a takeout bag and you use paper towels for your napkins, right? That's what the kitchen table is all about. It's the kind of place where if there are olives on the table, they are going straight from the can onto the fingers. It's the kind of place where, where you talk about what's really happening in your life where you talk about things that matter, where you tell people about your day, your real day, where you feel like you can blow off some steam and, and actually maybe get a little bit emotional about what's happening in your life. It's a place where kids can be noisy and messy. It's a place where you don't have to worry about breaking dishes because they're probably either plastic or paper. The kitchen table is where real life happens. It's where we work out matters of faith and love and big decisions, and it's where we plan our small revolutions. The God of peace is with us today. Amen? The God of peace is with us today. And not only today on Sunday, and not only right here in the sanctuary and not only at our dining room tables, the God of peace is with you at your kitchen table where you are trying to figure out how to pay the bills and how to get by one day at a time. The God of peace is with 
you. You know, I've never preached a series from the book of Romans before. It is a beautiful, deep, rich, complex, complicated, systematic journey through the Apostle Paul's theological worldview. And it is intimidating. I mean, it is really intimidating because it unpacks sin and death and spirit and life, law and grace, cross and covenant, crucifixion and resurrection and so much more. And honestly, I've just been afraid to touch it. Afraid to touch it, afraid that I might break something or, or leave a ketchup fingerprint on something. You know what I mean? And I've realized, studying it over these last few weeks, that I've been reading the book of Romans from the dining room table. I've been reading it sitting up straight on my upholstered chair, afraid to spill cranberry sauce. And trying so hard to figure out which fork I'm supposed to use in chapter 4. And the guests at that dining room table, that guest list is intimidating. Because do you know who's written about the book of Romans? I mean, guys like Karl Barth and John Calvin and John Wesley. I mean, goodness. Basically, if you are a uh, famous Christian old white dude, you have probably written something on the book of Romans. And just imagine sitting at that dining room table with all of these people seated around and all of the things that they probably have to say. I mean, that's an intimidating table to sit at. I just imagine looking around that dining room table worried that someone's going to say something if I put a little too much pepper on antinomianism, you know? Or, or what would happen if I spilled just a little bit of my drink? Should I pour all the rest out so that grace might abound? That's a Romans joke. Anybody? Anybody get that Romans joke? <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll try again another time. It's, it's a Romans joke. It's intimidating to think about preaching a book like Romans. And so, I've avoided it, Ken. I've just avoided it. I'm being totally honest with you today. Or if I have dealt with it, I probably have treated it with my kid gloves. I, I've treated it like the, the great theological treatise that it truly is. But often I only make vague, sweeping statements that sound lovely in theory, but mean very little for our real life that takes place around kitchen tables. I've been so intimidated by this book that I have been missing personally the height and depth of the love of God that is revealed in it. I've been missing the peace of God that meets me at my kitchen table. And so over these next several weeks, through Easter and beyond, we're going to be reading through Romans together. All right? Sound good? Y'all in this with me? We're going to be reading through Romans together, and we're going to read it mostly backwards. That's why we started in chapter 16. We're going to read it backwards so that we can release a little bit of the pressure valve on the book of Romans. 
and we can bring it with us to the kitchen table. See, we need to read Romans backwards because it's a bit easier when you start from chapter 16 and work your way back. It's a bit easier to pull up a chair and grab a paper towel napkin and feast on the riches of God's grace that this book is offering to us. In chapter 16, we meet the characters that would have been hearing this letter for the very first time. We meet the characters who would have been sitting around kitchen tables listening to these words of life. We're introduced to the community that is paying the bills and cooking dinner, making messes, husbands and wives co-laboring together in mission and in marriage, Jews and Gentiles just trying to figure out how to get along, and a whole lot of ordinary people desperately in need of the peace of God. So let's meet them. Are you ready? This is why we asked Melissa to read all of those crazy hard names. First, let's meet Phoebe the deacon. Because you see, before we hear a single word of Paul's beautiful letter, before we even read a greeting, we would first have to encounter Phoebe. Phoebe is the one who Paul has sent with this letter, probably on a parchment scroll, and he has sent Phoebe with this letter to go and take this letter to the churches in Rome, to read it out loud to them. So before we hear a word that Paul has written, we are confronted with the physical presence of Phoebe in our midst. Well, who is she? Phoebe was a cloth trader, probably a single woman who had her own income source, and she didn't need anyone else to provide for her. She met Paul on a detour in one of his missionary journeys. She was a God-fearing Gentile, but that means that she was not a descendant of Abraham. She was not ethnically part of the people of Israel, God's covenant chosen people. She was an outsider, one of the people who Paul is now trying to get the rest of the Jewish Christian community convinced that she can also share in the covenant of faith. But she hears about Jesus on the road one day, and it changes everything for her. And she joins Paul on this missionary journey. She goes out to preach and to teach and disciple, helping, and she herself helps to fund the mission. She probably goes on to lead a church plant, and Paul calls her a deacon. In fact, she's the only woman in the New Testament who's given that title of deacon. Uh, She's able to help Paul fund ministry, and she's able to move around freely delivering letters because she's a citizen of the Roman Empire. She's probably respected, and she probably doesn't have as much of the pushback as some of the Jewish Christians would have, and so she can move a little more freely to come and deliver, deliver these letters from Paul. She's respected among Gentiles and Greek communities. I mean, in other words, Phoebe's kind of a boss, you know? I mean, she's, she's a great person to send in between all of these different communities. I know uh, Trey and Kay Ann had their baby shower yesterday. They've got twins on the way. I, I've heard that they already have names picked out, but I'm just saying, Kay Ann, Phoebe, don't take it off the table, all right? It's a, it's a great name. Phoebe is the deacon who we meet before we ever hear a word of Paul's letter to the Romans. Next, there is 
Prisca and Aquila, or Priscilla and Aquila. I always call them Priscilla and Aquila. Priscilla is basically just like an English way of translating that name. Priscilla and Aquila, they are a husband and wife sort of co-pastor team in the church there in Rome. And they're Jews living in Rome who probably would have suffered persecution under the Roman government. And eventually, we know that they would be actually expelled from Rome because of all the persecution that was so heavy, particularly on the Jewish Christian community. And you see, the Jewish Christian community at the time, they would have had to bear the brunt of persecution. While persecution was rising for most Christians, it was primarily the Jewish Christians at this time. This is a pretty early letter. Paul probably wrote it around 53 A.D., And the Jewish Christian community are feeling persecution much more acutely. And think about that. It's because the Jewish Christians are still observing Jewish practices, like not eating meat sacrificed to idols, which means they don't get to show up at the big community barbecues and rub shoulders with all the right people while folks are passing around the pulled pork, right? As good as that sounds. The Jewish Christians, they're not going to that stuff. They're not making those good connections, and and they are on the outs of this Gentile community. And so Priscilla and Aquila would be feeling that acutely. In fact, we know that they were persecuted. It tells us that they risked their lives for Paul and the sake of the gospel. They probably would have been leading a house church And in their house church would have been both Jews and Gentiles, even though they themselves are having to bear the brunt of the suffering that the community is facing. Well, next we have Andronicus and Junia. Andronicus and Junia, Paul describes as apostles. They are apostles. They're evidently such anointed preachers of the word They have probably demonstrated power and authority in the gospel that they're given this title of apostles. And they've traveled with Paul, and they've even been in prison with Paul. I mean, think about that. That is some Christian street cred right there. I mean, it's kind of like somebody saying, you know, I didn't just protest in the civil rights movement. I went to prison with Diane Nash. Right? I mean, that's somebody who is legit, who is all in, who is the real deal. This uh, Andronicus and Junia, they actually went to prison with Paul as they traveled around with him. They are the real deal. Now, later translations of their names, Andronicus and, Ju- and Junia, would translate Junia's name as Junius, adding an S at the end. I know that's a, that's a hard sound for me to make with a face mask. Junius, they'd add an S on the end, making it a male name instead of a female name, making it sound like they were two partners, kind of like a Barnabas and Timothy, that went out as apostles together. We're not entirely sure why this change was made, and now we know, based on earlier manuscripts, that it was a mistake. It was an error to call Junia Junius. There's a lot of folks that believe that this error was made intentionally as later translators did not want to have a copy of this letter that refers to a woman as an apostle. 
And it's just really been in the last hundred years or so that scholars have discovered these earlier manuscripts and realized what had happened, that this Andronicus and Junia are a husband and wife team that had been changed, whose names had been changed later on. But in the New Testament, we see that when women and men partner together in the power of the Spirit, they are an unstoppable force in the kingdom of God. Amen? And Andronicus and Junia, they are a beautiful example of that. In fact, if you ever have anybody that gives you a hard time about having a woman pastor, you can just let them know they'd need to look no further than Romans chapter 16. I mean, think about it. In this one chapter, you've got Phoebe the deacon, you've got Priscilla the pastor, and you've got Junia the apostle. And if they're still not happy, then pray for them and don't waste your breath anymore. (laughs) Truly. So then after Andronicus and Junia, there are a whole lot of other names. I mean, so many names that are hard to remember. But what I want you to hear in the rest of those names that are listed that Melissa read for us so patiently, what I want you to hear in those names, those names are a mixture of Hebrew and Greek names. So for instance, Herodian, Paul refers to as my fellow Jew. And we know that Herodian is a Jewish name. But then right next to Herodian, we meet Narcissus. Narcissus, who seems to be leading a house church, and Narcissus is about as Greek a name as you possibly can get, right? Herodian, the Jew, and Narcissus, the Greek, all a part of this Christian community that are learning to live together. All right, so now we can imagine the room a little bit, okay? We know the people who are filling up the kitchen table. We know the room a little bit. I want you to listen again. Listen again to these words. Imagine this room. Imagine this room packed in, crowded in, shoulder to shoulder. I know that's hard to imagine these days, right? But imagine this packed room in a kitchen. In a kitchen. Oh, goodness, I'm so sorry. Lord Jesus, help me today. Imagine this packed room in a kitchen, the place where all great revolutions are born. And Herodian the Jew coming up to Narcissus the Greek and saying, hey, I saw you in the marketplace today. You didn't even stop and look at me. I know that those Roman guards were marching nearby, but can't you even give a greeting to your brother on the street? And Narcissus is about to to defend himself, trying to say why he didn't greet Herodian in the marketplace when, when Aquila steps up and Aquila is about to try to defend his Jewish brother Herodian. When Priscilla starts shouting from the kitchen, saying, hey, Aquila, stop talking in there. I need some help getting some plates on the table because dinner's almost ready. And will somebody get those kids quiet long enough to say a blessing? Do you have a feel of the room now? Do you get a sense? All right. This is the room into which Phoebe steps. Phoebe, this single Gentile woman who has been trusted by Paul to come and to bring this message. 
Phoebe steps into the room, this Gentile woman who's given her life to serve Jesus, King of the Jews. She stands in front of this room of people who are still picking at the last bit of their dinner on their plate, shushing their babies over in the corner and trying to listen carefully to the words of their former pastor. Phoebe unrolls the scroll of parchment and when she gets to the very end of this letter that they would have leaned in and listened to so carefully, she would have read these words. I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them, for such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. Everyone has heard about your obedience, so I rejoice because of you, but I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Now to him who is able to establish you in accordance with my gospel, the message I proclaim about Jesus Christ, in keeping with the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God, so that all the Gentiles might come to the obedience that comes from faith. Now to the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. Can you hear those words being read at Priscilla and Aquila's kitchen table? All right, now I want you to imagine your kitchen table. Whatever that place is in your house, that sort of hub of the center of life, I want you to imagine your kitchen table, all the sights and sounds and smells. And I want you to imagine there at your kitchen table a person who embodies for you everything that is causing you strife and frustration right now. Do you have that person in your mind? Can you even think about what that person, maybe it's not an actual person, but just a person who sort of sums up everything that is frustrating you right now. And here they are standing right there next to your kitchen table unrolling this scroll and reading those words, reading words like, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause division. Oh, and how quickly that sense can boil up in us. Yeah, well, that's easy for you to say. reading words like, for such people are not serving the Lord but their own appetites. Oh, yeah, well, uh, 
I don't know about you, but my appetite's just fine. Thank you very much. You see, the kitchen table is where we have to actually figure out how to live this lovely theological stuff like living at peace among believers. And why is that so hard? I mean, why is that so hard? It sounds like a really lovely prayer for the dining room table, but at the kitchen table, it feels like it gets really hard to do. This is our first Sunday in the season called Lent. It's our first Sunday in the season of Lent, and a lot of years, we encourage people to think about maybe giving something up in the season of Lent as a time to sacrifice, to remember that Everything we have is a gift from God, and so we can sacrifice something to make room for God in our life. Well, this last year, I kind of feel like I've given up everything but sweatpants for the last year anyways, and so it's really hard to think about giving up anything else. But maybe social media wouldn't be such a bad thing to give up this Lent, amen? I mean, at, at least to put a pause on at least to put some, some real limitations on. You know, it seems to me like if we were to take a little bit of a pause on social media this year, that it might just go a long way to help us live at peace with one another. Now, peace is so much more than the absence of division. Did you hear that? Peace is not just the absence of division. It is so much more than that. And not everyone who makes you angry is trying to make division. You understand that nuance as well? Not everyone who makes you angry is being divisive. But do you hear the plea, the begging that Paul is writing and speaking through the mouth of Phoebe, this plea to watch out for people who are aiming at, who are trying to stir up division. Because these people put stumbling blocks in our pathway. In fact, it tells us that the God of peace is seeking to trample Satan, which seems to me to say that these tactics of divisions are tactics not of God, but tactics of the enemy. Now, I've read this passage so many times over the last week. And I read all the names over and over and over. And when I got to verse 20, I almost took it for granted. Verse 20, it talks there about the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Well, when I got to this verse, you know, I, I took it for granted. In my head, I was hearing that the God of peace will trample Satan like under God's feet. Because I figure, you know, I... I, I, I don't know how very good, like, my wedge heels would do trampling Satan, right? And it just seems like that's probably God's job to trample Satan. But as I, as I read this, it really stood out to me that what it's saying is the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. In fact, I, I went back and looked at the Greek that's being used there, and it doesn't just say your feet, it says, y'all's feet. That the God of peace will soon crush, like put down Satan 
under y'all's feet. It sounds like what he's saying is that our God is a God of peace and not of division, and every time the people of God, the body of Christ Jesus, who are held together in the power of the Spirit, living and moving and having our being because of the life of God, every time we put down division, we are trampling the enemy. And that sounds like really good news. That it is not just something that we have no power to act against, right? That we actually do. We are called upon to help put down division and in doing so, trampling the enemy under our feet. This is powerful stuff. But you know what? It begins at your kitchen table. It begins in those places where life is shared. It begins with the way that we talk about each other and we talk to each other. It begins with the way that we pray for each other and with each other. It begins at the kitchen table with the people who we invite to come over and eat. Not just to eat off of our fancy plates in the dining room, but the people who feel so welcomed into our life that they feel free to get up and grab the ketchup bottle and bring it to the table because they're like family in our home. Now, all the grand theological volumes that have been written on the book of Romans, friends, all of the words and the pages, all of the ink that has been spilt on the book of Romans, it does not mean a lick if we are so divided amongst ourselves that we can't find a place at the kitchen table together. All the words about the grace of God and the law of the spirit of life and the heights of God's love, they're all hollow and empty if we haven't been able to receive the Phoebes in our midst as a sister or brother in the Lord. This has to be for us a lived reality in our everyday life before we are ever going to be able to grasp the riches of God's grace that this letter is offering. So here's my plea to you. Brothers and sisters, I urge you this week to actively be about peacemaking, putting down divisions, being a people who are not just even about the absence of division, but really truly creating peace and building bridges. Because until we have practiced that in our everyday life, we're not going to be able to come back next week and understand the depths of theological wisdom that this book has to offer us. The rest of this series, we are going to explore some of the great passages in the book of Romans, and we're going to get a little bit messy. So you might want to bring your paper towel and tuck it into your shirt, okay? We're going to get our hands a little bit messy in the book of Romans. And if you really want to get this stuff, and I hope you do, I hope you do because this is some of the best stuff in all the world. This is the stuff that makes us say, I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of Christ living in me. I mean, if you really want to get that kind of stuff, then I urge you, brothers and sisters, I urge you to practice peace this week. And let's come back next week and keep digging in, keep setting the table, 
Keep feasting on the riches. Pastor Jamin's gonna come and he's gonna pray for us. He's gonna lead us in a time of prayer. And maybe you have something really specific that you need to ask God to help you with today. Maybe it's a matter of division. In fact, maybe there's even a division that you need to come and lay down at the feet of Jesus today. And so whether you are literally sitting at your kitchen table this morning, sitting on your couch, if you're here in the sanctuary, maybe you just need to find a way to lay it down. Whatever that might look like, whether it looks like raising your hands or getting on your knees, coming to an altar, this is our time to ask God to help us to heal those things. If there are other just burdens that you have that you want to offer in prayer, this is your time to do that. Because we are a people who have been marked by the gospel of peace. And that means something. Not just on Sundays in the sanctuary, it means something in our real life every day, the kind of stuff that happens at your kitchen table. Thanks for joining us this week. If you'd like to join us next Sunday for worship, we'll be having service at 9 a.m. in the sanctuary on campus, which will be live streamed to Facebook Live. For those joining us online, we will still be doing our virtual lobby at 845. Make sure to check out our other weekly podcast, TCC Conversations, which airs on Wednesdays at 8 a.m. Head over to our website for updated information on gatherings, on-campus worship, and other weekly resources. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope to see you next week.